This is Letting It All Hang Out, the show where we bring together some super talented individuals that made me want to get out, learn more, live life to the fullest, and hopefully inspire you to do the same. Today, I had the opportunity to shoot the shit with Ian Brooks, baby. Dr. Ian Brooks has spent his 25-year career helping people move forward with positivity in their life. His clients include Netflix, Shondaland, Bank of America, Guitar Center, Nike, Sony, and Warner Brothers. Dr. Brooks is the author of Intention, Building Capabilities to Transform Your Story, which integrates research and personal journey that drives readers towards introspection and action. So before we jump straight into this incredible episode with Ian, I want to take a hot minute to thank the sponsor of this podcast, Naked Warrior Recovery. Naked Warrior Recovery is a Navy SEAL owned and operated CBD and recovery supplement company. They provide high quality CBD products, super greens, supplements, and more to help you fully recover by rejuvenating your body and mind. A huge reason why I'm a big fan of Naked Warrior is that they care a lot about the actual quality of the CBD that they put into their product. And they understand that really the only way you can truly perform at your highest potential is when you feel good. So in order to get yourself a 20% discount on some high quality CBD products, super greens, and more, you can use the discount code Kalani20, that's K-A-L-A-N-I-2-0 on their website at nw-recovery.com. That's Kalani20 at nw-recovery.com. On to the show. Hey. Hey, is that doing, Haley? How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Happy, uh, happy Friday. <laughs> it's nice to be a Friday. At first I was like, oh my God, it is Friday. I've been out of town and seeing family and doing stuff. And so this week has just like been totally jumbled around, you know? Fair, fair enough. Hey, go any, uh, go any place cool. You said you went to see family. Uh, what part? Uh, yeah, my family's up now? in Seattle, Washington. Okay. Okay. Oh, very nice. Beautiful place up there. Heck, just probably the best time to go up there, uh, right when it's probably in the cusp of uh, the summertime, but as importantly, to see family as well. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure, though. The weather is a huge thing. I used to live up there for, I would say, a large majority of my life. That's uh-huh. where I feel like I grew up, you know? Sure. Um, and the summers are just perfect. And then you get like nine months of rain and clouds and wetness and Oh man. But yes, the time when it is sunny and beautiful, it's like it's one like, of the best places you can be. 200% degree. I used to uh, live in Portland or I was traveling back and forth to Portland. So I had a place in Portland and a place in, here in LA. So uh, there was for two years, I was up there and just beautiful during those three months. But those other nine months, it's like gray, raining. It's like, you kind of get used to it, but it's like, oh, I, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if I can do this forever. But during the summer, one of the most beautiful places you can be. So I could mm-hmm. absolutely understand. <laughs> yeah, you totally know about the Pacific Northwest and, and that area over there. Yeah, cool. yeah, it's, uh, it's great. Yeah, it's a great, great place and there are a lot of great people there, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast and hanging out with me. Yeah. I really appreciate it. And I'm super excited to learn more about you and what it is exactly that you do and about the book intention and all of yeah. that good, good stuff. Um, I, from the very little because this is the first time you and I have ever met ever spoken really and so I can only get as much of a read on you as what's posted online right right I would love from your own words to let me know like 
how you even started writing a book and then got into the world of intention and where your life has led you up until this point? No, that's that's a great question. Because it is a uh, uh, not a linear path. I think all of us can attest, but we all have a wonderful story. And uh, as as I even got to this book at, at intention, it really was a, a true journey for me, leading up to even coming up with the idea, but also even what I experienced just writing it. Um, as you mentioned, uh, my social media presence is probably as big as a, a thumbnail. Um, not much of a social media person in that respect. And that started off when I was a kid, actually. Um, you know, I was very conscious of judgment and conscious of even speaking um, based off of what people would actually think and see. And that led me into the field of psychology because I was always interested in wondering, one, what are people thinking? And then secondly, that always put me in the background so I didn't have to be out front. It was always about somebody else. And so because of that, it led me on a journey of going into clinical psychology. So I worked with a clinical psych as a clinical psychologist in a 24-hour lockdown ward. Um, I was not licensed at the time, uh, so I had everything signed off on, but I was running group and individual therapy. But I love talking to people, love trying to help improve their stories. And I realized in that moment, I was like working as a, as a, in a 24-hour lockdown ward, like, okay, I can't do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> I want to deal with some higher functioning people. Um, and thus, I made the transition to working with businesses and coaching people one-on-one. And that's where I got my doctorate in organizational psychology. So I could, you know, really fine tune and hone in on my skills of being a coach and working with people on a different level that complemented all my learnings as a, that I learned as a clinical psychologist. And that's taken me on a wild journey of working with businesses and doing all these changes in coaching. And what I found was that there's common themes, right? I think we can all attest that from a change perspective, there are so many off-ramps. <laughs> there's all friends because we have our own issues we have our own things that make us so unique uh, we are truly snow special snowflakes because there's no two snowflakes ever the same and so I was thinking to myself what are the common themes I'm experiencing and what am I seeing in my clients to help them be better when I'm not there and I just started taking notes and that's really how this uh this this idea of intention came to be was just through note taking and how can I develop a guide in a way and both in a a research-based perspective, while also making it fun and exciting and so forth, so that they can guide themselves not only for the possibilities of today, but also for tomorrow. Wow, man, I love that. That's so inspiring too. And it was interesting how you were mentioning your childhood, Mm -hmm. how you were sort of like worried about what other people thought. And that is what leaked into your interest in psychology of understanding the way other people think and probably how you think about yourself as well. So how does that mesh with, you know, thinking about the way other people think and being either empathetic or compassionate to that or in team workspaces, and then also doing that same thing for ourselves? How does that all commingle together in the workplace in general? No, absolutely. Great question. And and it it does come together. Um, I think we can all agree to that. And I see it come together for me in my eyes. I can appreciate where where people are coming from because I know we're all different. I know we have different stories. We have different reasons on what we do, what we do. And we could put the same person or two different people in the same situation, they come out different. And we have our own templates. We have our own mental models of how we've reacted and created a, a... a cocoon, if you will, around ourselves, around safety, around how we have now judging the world and see the world and how we operate so that we can make quick judgments. And that's even how we get out to our biases. 
So even when I'm actually working with people, I can really appreciate that we all are very unique and I don't judge the person based off the chapter I'm walking in on. I also know there's something deeper. And so when working with my organizations and working with people one-on-one, I can appreciate that, yes, I'm coming in here from a potential opportunity standpoint, be it there's a problem or an opportunity that you're going to grow because they see value in you. But either way, I know that there's much more to you than that. And it actually comes out in, the, in my book as well. And one of the things that I, it, that I really focus on at the outset is establishing a foundation, foundation based off of who you are as a person. So my, the first part is around discovery, discovering on what are you really trying to solve? Because one, one of the first pieces is we're often solving things that shouldn't be solved and it's not really the issue. We need to really re-anchor on what is our true purpose and our priority. But as important, what's the principle of you? What makes us us and our characters and the things that make us alive and makes Haley, Haley, Ian, Ian. And, and it's just not, I'm a brother, I'm a, I'm a sibling, I'm a uncle, I'm a you know, entrepreneur, I'm an author. Those are titles, right? That can be earned. We're much more than that. I am, you know, when you get the label of I'm shy or stubborn or, or Mr. Know-it-all or Mr. Savior, those are characters that we play in our own stories and those things impact our ability to change and potentially even thwart our changes. And so I talk about that and put a lot of emphasis up in the front of this book. And even when I'm working with my clients as well, to really pay attention to that, acknowledging it not as a judgment, but acknowledging it as a place of reference in actually how we're gonna move forward. And so that's how I kind of see it all coming together. Uh, mm, in that's, that's really cool and really interesting. I loved how you described, because this is so true, we, we all have these titles and we put them on as if they're our identity, as if it's like yeah. this mask. And if something gets or stripped away or something goes wrong that involves an identity mm-hmm. this whole sort of world that we have built around ourselves feels like it's either crashing or going the wrong way or we have right. all this anxiety because of it and I'm I'm saying all this and I don't really know if I have a question here That's but right. like when we have all of these identities but they're not attached to really us as a person they're more so attached to a thing or a title mm-hmm what really happens there and how can we start to be okay with, yes, I'm, I'm grateful for my job. I'm grateful mm-hmm. for, you know, all of these things, this title that I have, but also that's not me. So if something goes right. wrong or if I decide that this isn't making me happy anymore, how do I make that transition without feeling like everything's falling apart? You, you, you've, you've touched on another part of my book as well. And actually in that part of that principle of you, and that is not only the characters we give ourselves, but the characters we give that others give us and put on us and those titles, but also our environment. As we think about the associations we have with people, places and things, the things that keep us safe. And, and because we just surround ourselves with, this is what we know to be true. This is our, my identity and these titles, but everything that surrounds us holds us and reinforces those titles and re, be it good or bad. And it's part of the transformational process as we think about, I wanna change, or I wanna do something different. We have to acknowledge what those titles are and what those environmental factors are and the associations that we place on them, be it the people in our lives and how they keep us where we are, the places that we go and, and the routines that we have in our behaviors or the things that we associate. So if we think about um, looking at a, a phone, it's associated with certain feelings and emotions or social media, you, know, you don't go on there all the time because it associates with judgment, right? Now we have to change that, that perspective and it, one, acknowledge it. And that creates 
as you mentioned, you're being stripped away and it creates that vulnerability and being open to that vulnerability that, yes, I'm going to be doing something different. It will feel unique, but I'm defined by much more than these people, places, or things, or a title, or these characters. They have served a purpose. Now are those purposes still going to be served as I look to do something different? If that answer is no, then now we can start to acknowledge that we need to establish new characters or new associations and meetings and letting other characters or meanings go. Not to say that they were bad, but maybe they just outlived their purpose. And so that's that acknowledgement. But as you mentioned, there is a point of vulnerability as we go through any change to acknowledge that I'm gonna be stripped away of things that have made me comfortable, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. And oftentimes it's probably the right path you should be on. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think anytime that we strip away something, hopefully it's a good thing. Um, there's definitely that sense of discomfort. Uh, yeah. But usually after that discomfort subsides, you can see a little bit clearer, it seems. And you mentioned something in there, um, perception, the idea of perception mm-hmm. and how we can change it for the better while we're perceiving either ourselves, other people, situations, everything. And I love the science behind all this stuff. So feel free to like nerd out on any of this. Sure. How do we actually start to change our perception? And when we do, like what's happening in here? Yeah, we could start by just taking our actions. One is first acknowledging it, right? Um, you know, it's, it's not just jumping in and saying, oh, this is just taking it for space value. It's what caused this perception to begin with? Because if we don't change that perception or understanding that cause, we can change the action, we can change the moment but our perceptions will always carry us through. And when that moment comes, it's now we're starting to shift. We're shifting our thinking. As you mentioned, you went right to your, from a behavior, your um, hands, it went right to the mind. It's like, your mind is now changing because now it's the fear of like, it's about survival at that moment because that's where our fear kicks in. That's when the self-doubt comes into play. That's when our demons to keep us comfortable and that self-value starts to come into play. And as we start to go through this change process in those moments, um, I was listening to one of your podcasts previously and, and you mentioned you know, the, that you like to just pause and to think and to do some processing. Well, I talk about this in my book. You don't put it in those words, those are my words, but in that moment of being in the moment, acknowledging what we're feeling, acknowledging what, our, what we're thinking, and then offering, is this adding the value? Is it a deterrent? And so now mentally, as we think about it from a psychology standpoint, now we're conjuring up all the things that have made us who we are, who have created the value that we've seen in ourselves, the value that we perceive others see in us. And now we're challenging that in certain ways. And thus, it's one reason I I spend so much time in in the book. I can't say so much time, but I put a lot of emphasis on that front part because I recognize in working with people and even in my own self, if I'm not doing something, where is that? Where's that coming from? Where's that fear coming from? How is that going to stop me from achieving and being the person that I believe I can be and building the capabilities to do something that I want from a transformation standpoint? And it's always hard. It does mean being vulnerable. It does mean being in the moment in that respect. And that transformation in our own minds and being okay with that in this personal journey is not always an easy path to go down and it starts from that thinking, then we can then put it into action and taking incremental steps to offer our own selves validation, reinforcement, and creating new safety routines 
in ideas around even ourselves when we actually start thinking incrementally as we build. I love where this is going. And, <laughs> and I want to touch on the idea of fear and vulnerability because it's so true. Like from a front facing surface level of mindfulness and all that, and, you know, tearing down your limiting beliefs, mm -hmm. it's like you, you know, you become aware of it. And then you start to hang around people and surround yourself with better things. And then you just do it. But there's that, that first part of acknowledgement, the thing that you were just talking about and how it is a bit scary. You do have to be a bit vulnerable. I think for a lot of people, including myself, that barrier to entry of entering, purposefully entering into fear and vulnerability is not easy. And yeah. I, I feel like I have some sort of advantage just because I don't know. I, I don't know whether it's determination or I'm, I'm willing to jump into the unknown, but I understand for a lot of people, friends, family, people I've met online as well, is like, I don't want to do it quite yet. Like what, what's that baby step that they can take to start, you know, removing those layers and be a little bit more vulnerable and willing to step into that fear. You know, I, I, you touched on in that last word, and you have to be willing. Um, but will is, is, it's about a personal choice. Um, you can put the smartest people all in the same room, but if you don't have the passion or if you don't have the choice and the decision to say, this is what I'm going to do, because it's the right thing to do, not because it's easy. That's where it starts in a number of different respects. It's that uncovery and being vulnerable. As you just mentioned, sometimes, as you said, sometimes it's hard. And I think it's hard for everybody to, to go out and just do. So the second piece I'd say, it's about having belief. Belief that regardless of what happens, you're gonna be okay. Belief that I have the capabilities to actually do this. And even if I fail, what, am I, what do I have to lose? It can't be because I didn't try. It can't be because I didn't think through. It can't be because of anything else other than I have the will and now I have the belief. If you have those two things, there isn't too much that you can't achieve. Now, that does not mean that it's gonna be successful now. And I wanna be cautious of my word, word choice because achievement is relative to who you ask when you ask them. Um, and we look at achievements as endpoints. But as we're thinking about just purely on, just taking that first step, how can I take that first step if you have the will to do it, meaning is it truly what you want? And then secondly, do you believe you can do it? Do you have the confidence in yourself, whether you have the ability or not, that's a second, that's now we start getting into the building and surround yourself with support, but do you believe you can get it done? And are you willing to take that risk? And as you mentioned, a lot of people aren't. Um, I'll give you an example. One of, the, one of the things that's just for me, growing up and, and going to college, uh, in different schools, I always had the mentality of, I'm going to go someplace where, one, I know where I'm going to school, but someplace I had never been before. I didn't know anybody. And that way I'd have to know, learn more about myself. I'd have to learn a whole new environment. And quite frankly, that created an entire exper experience for me, whereby I knew my end goal was to receive a degree, but I didn't know the path I was going to take. I didn't know what I was going to learn about myself. I didn't learn, know what anything about these areas. So I'm starting from scratch and I, then I can reinvent myself in certain ways. I can reinvent uh, what I'm about to experience. And what I found over those experiences of school and even doing it for my career, moving different places, 
I saw themes that were very consistent about myself and, and, and that's a good thing, right? At least I'm consistent, um, both good and bad. But it's also afforded me a chance to not get locked in, but I had to have the will to say, okay, I'm willing to do this. And I also had the belief that I could do it. And it doesn't mean that all of these situations that I was moving around were successful or they were always fun. Um, uh, but I can say that it's an enjoyable experience to go through because you're learning a lot more about yourself. But if you can do those two things about will and belief, you can take those first steps initially um, around anything that you want to achieve. I wholeheartedly agree and absolutely love that, that will and belief are really the two main things that go hand in hand that you just, I think everybody has naturally, uh, but sometimes it gets maybe suppressed or covered or fogged up and you just got to wipe the window a little bit in order to, to see it eventually. And it'll come through. I agree with that. And, you know, not to be lost in that, you know, I think everyone has it. I I do want to acknowledge the other side to this as well. And that is, what are you willing to risk? Um, What are you willing to give up? Um, Because I think that's where people oftentimes also look towards saying, if I do this, I I lose. I'm giving away something. Um, And we we have to even redefine, if you will, how we even think about loss. And that it's not necessarily a bad thing and that we are just, re, re, we are replacing <laughs> so that we can then move forward, not adding on and now having to also manage all the things that are keeping me where I am. But it starts with, again, uh, in that part of belief, will, and that think, rethinking how we're willing to view risk. And what am I willing to lose? What am I willing to gain? And everyone's risk quotient is a lot different based on where you are in your life. and. It, a lot of factors, right? If I got kids, if I got a job, if I'm the caregiver, if I if I don't have any golden parachute behind me to to support me, if I if I do fail, and that gets us back to everyone to be very special snowflake, and we're all unique, and you have to take that in consideration for ourselves, because we're often trying to compare ourselves to a world that is being defined based off of what we see, not necessarily what we feel and what we can attain based on our own circumstances. I'm really glad glad that you brought that up because as you were talking, it made me think of a really crucial question. And maybe the answer is more simple than I imagined, but with will, belief, and our association with risk, or really our association with each one of those things, Mm -hmm. do we have the ability to change how much of one of those things that we have, or our perspective, if it's in the case of risk? Like, some people might feel like, oh, I just don't have enough willpower. I just don't have yeah. enough belief in myself. I, I think risk is way worse than any reward. Like how do we start mm-hmm. to change those things? Um, I believe it's possible and, and I'll just let you run with that. Yeah, I do think it's possible, but I know we're talking, you know, I do want to put the, uh, I guess the air quote disclaimer that we're talking about, you know, will, belief and risk associations as though finality and totality of all of our life. Um, but when we think about will, belief and risk, it, it's very situational based. And it's also acknowledges what in that situation or experience am I trying to create? Because our, our risk quotient may not be that high in one area, but it may be high in others. Um, but we can be- begin to change that and how we're associating that risk to the experience that we're actually wanting to achieve. So as an example, and you know, work, if I'm working with a leader, am I willing to, are they willing to risk now having to communicate more and now having to have town hall meetings on a more regular basis, on a monthly basis, that's a dot different risk than asking someone to say, okay, I'm gonna now ask you to 
now delegate all your work, <laughs> you know, as a leader to your top three people. Are you willing to take that risk? <laughs> now, everyone's risk quota, you know, from a leadership standpoint is a lot different in that respect. Applying it for myself, what's my risk quota to now break from my, the judgment and fear of what I might receive from others to now launch my book or launch my business? That risk is a lot different than say, I'm willing to put in $10,000 in an investment all, and, and gambling that away at Vegas, knowing I only have $10,001. <laughs> that's a lot different quota because I, now that's a lot a different perspective of which we're taking. So I do want to acknowledge that, but we can change our risk as we think about the situation because not all risks are created equal and its impact may not be worth it. That also goes with our, but I do see that, and I focused on risk and that change a little bit different than will and belief. Because I think we can all, regardless of the situation, I have a belief, I can do this. I believe I have the will and passion to do it. Now, the risk is what's it worth to me? I can carry my will and belief that I can manage money. I also have the will and belief that I know that I have someone who does my taxes, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a fine line on what my belief and will is and acknowledging what those, those limitations are and accepting that. I have a will and belief that I can achieve something I put my mind to, but that doesn't mean that it's an isolated event that I need to do it by myself. Whereas risk, I'm associating the risk because that now it's my fear. That's now my emotion. That's now my trust. And how well do I trust my own belief in myself, in my will, in my action? So that's kind of how I see the little bit differentiation, uh, differentiation, excuse me, of those two and how they can be applied. And I think we all can do that just with being present in the moment and moving forward. Thank you for expanding on that. I appreciate it. And, and it makes total sense. And I totally agree with you. I would love to switch gears just a little bit, sure. um, specifically about intention and productivity. I'm the type of person that loves to talk about and, and bring my work around the idea of molding those two things. Mm -hmm. Like we can be really productive or we can be really busy and right. it's just draining our energy. It's just so much. Or yes. the way that I like to think of productivity is you get a lot of stuff done and you mm -hmm. still feel absolutely great at the end of the day. I think intention has a lot to do with that, but I would love to hear more from you about how you mold intention into the workplace to help people be more productive. Yeah, it's, um, it all starts with purpose and you, and you mentioned it. It starts with what are we doing today? Well, what am I doing today? And what is this leading me and driving me to, towards? If it's not a, a, allowing me to move forward towards an intended target, and or capability from a behavior standpoint, I now need to reassess the reason I'm doing that activity. If it does not have the intended purpose that I think I need for my own time and for my own efforts. As you mentioned, our days are caught and fraught with the things I need to do and the things I wanna do. <laughs> and then there's the third layer of the things that are projected onto me to do by my, my others that <laughs> you may or may not know that you need to do. <laughs> right? yeah. um, so in that context, sometimes when we start off, you know, start our days and, and as we think about intention in, in the context that I place it in for days, weeks, and months, it's really having that forethought and saying, hey, here's the things that 
uh, that need to get done because it has a purpose. It has a purpose, not just for this actual moment, but extends beyond to something else. When you're setting up your podcast, when you're interviewing your, your guest, when you're actually posting, you know, all of those moments have a distinct purpose for branding, marketing, and just the passion of loving to talk to people. That has a distinct purpose, but each moment that leads into that of the editing and the, and the conversations, et cetera, have a goal in mind that is building up to something bigger. It's oftentimes we get caught up with the things that we feel we have to do or the things that are projected to us that sometimes derail and take away from that immediate priority or the priority of where we're trying to go. And now it's about a balance because everything can't be a priority. Um, there is a priority and there is the priority. The priority is what are we doing that we're passionate about? What is it that we're doing that's gonna lead us to be happier or from a transformative perspective that's gonna lead us to new capabilities? Then there's a priority. A priority is I have kids. Okay, now I need to make sure that they're fed. I need to make sure that they're cared for. They are the priority as well because my family is very key to me, right? From that perspective, from a family perspective, they are the priority. If from a work perspective, the priority is my book and my coaching and so forth. So our priorities can shift but as we think about it from a, a work standpoint and really anchoring solely on that, understanding what the priority is and then our actions have to surround that priority and they dictate what we do and how we do it. And sometimes that's difficult because as I mentioned, we do get things projected onto us that we have to do that we didn't know was our priority. <laughs> and it's not the priority. And now we have to adjust. But you know, hopefully that's an 80-20 situation versus otherwise. I love the idea of putting massive purpose behind that priority and then it trickling into all the stuff that we do, whether it's work or family. And I also love that there's, you know, we always section off like work, family, friends, personal life, like downtime. Um, but in reality, what we do in each one of those areas, quote unquote, of our life actually feeds directly into every other area of our life and so Absolutely. by putting that intentional purpose and those priorities in the right you know boxes so to speak mm -hmm. in work it's going to help us fuel ourselves and be able to find more purpose and priority in our family life and our personal downtime and relaxation so i'm really glad that you touched on that and time is flying by i could talk to you for probably like hours because <laughs> i'm having such a great conversation and it just like went by like that but as a final parting question and i'm mm -hmm. sure this won't be the last time that we speak to each other um, i always ask the same question to mm -hmm. every person that comes on to the podcast which is for one person listening Sure. What is one thing that you would just say to them? I get that question a lot. And, and as, as I think about my book and as I think about the journey that we all go through, the one thing I'd say is that your story is great as it is. Um, it has its climaxes. It has its reflection. It has its happiness. It has its evolution. Um, yet we are all built to evolve from willing mammoths all the way to now us as humans. Harness that potential. Harness your potential that you can always do something. Harness the potential and idea that you're building capabilities that are transferable. It doesn't mean that it's gonna be easy, but enjoy the, jo enjoy the journey because you have a lot more rewarding feeling and experience along that path. 
So continue to manage your intentions, believe in yourself, and you'll be on the right side of things more oftentimes than not. Ooh, that was inspirational. That was like, was that the last line of your book or something? That was great. <laughs> sounded great. <laughs> maybe, maybe I need to add that. Maybe I need to add right? that back in. <laughs> or, yeah. or maybe add it in. I, yeah, it's not in there. But it's, it's truly what I feel. It's, uh, I think we all can. I mean, that's truly having worked with clients in, in, in the psych wards. And, uh, you know, I remember one always, every time I asked him how he was doing, he says, doing the best I can. And if that person who has just a mental imbalance, a chemical imbalance, excuse me, um, can say that, I think we all have that same feeling. We, we're just trying to do the best we can and know that we're good enough as we are, but we also know that we can be so much more um, mm -hmm. if, we want, if we want to. Yeah, always, that's beautiful. And where can people find you, reach out to you, get your book, all the good stuff? Oh, sure. So um, I can be found um, on uh, rhodesmith.com. That's uh, R-H-O-D-E-S-S-M-I-T-H.com. Um, you can find me there uh, around where to buy the book, uh, um, different speaking engagements, also even some of my coaching that I do one-on-one -on -one as well as group. Um, the book can be found on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. It's uh, located uh, at, in, from a soft copy, uh, from an ebook perspective, as well as um, you can get a, a paperback copy. Also, I'm on Twitter and Instagram under Dr. B underscore intention. Perfect. All of those will be linked below. So I highly recommend connecting with Ian. And clearly this conversation has been really inspirational. So if you can get any more juice squeezed out of this awesome guy, then definitely go follow him on social medias and check out his website. And if you can get connected, like really connected, that would be even better. So thanks again, Ian. I really appreciate it. You know, thank you, Haley, for having me on. Great dialogue. Look forward to uh, continuing our conversation uh, in the months to come. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Letting It All Hang Out. I sincerely hope that you enjoyed it and learned a thing or two. I definitely know that I did. And I'd love to hear your thoughts and start a conversation with you. So feel free to send me a voice message right here on Anchor. Or you can message me on any of my social media platforms at Haley Kalani. Much love to you all. Until next time, stay well.